Hello, friends and listeners, and welcome to Decaf, a production of the Beacon Center of Tennessee. I'm Taylor, as always, joined by Mark. If you're listening to us on the podcast app and not watching it, you're missing Mark's Christmas-themed outfit today, it looks like. Red shirt, green hat. Are you, You're either colorblind or feeling holly jolly today. Which one is it? I think both can be true. I feel, I feel both. <laughs> yeah. I have realized that one of my biggest faults as a dresser is that I really just don't understand what goes together. I don't understand... <laughs> patterns i don't understand outfits like i'll wear you know a long sleeve t-shirt with like uh, i don't know mesh short it, there's just a lot going on but i am not a fashion icon and my colors i think they look fine but other people don't agree did you ever watch new girl the show new yes. girl you yes. know winston was talking about his brown shoes and everyone goes winston those shoes are green and he realized <laughs> in his late 30s that he was colorblind i think that we might be having that kind of moment with you but it's a good thing you got it's a wife now to help you dress she dresses no better than I do in the house. Just when she goes, <laughs> when she goes out, she dresses better. But like, she, yeah, no, no, yes, she she is as relaxed as I am when we're in the house. That's kind of nice, casual though. Outfit. Yes, yeah. it's, it's casual, casual Tuesdays <laughs> with Mark and Taylor. Let's jump right into this. We had some really exciting news last week for one of our friends, Jonathan Scrimetti, is the new Attorney General for the state of Tennessee. He is a friend of Beacon's. Uh, our attorneys on our staff and and our leadership have known him for a very long time. And Governor Lee tapped him to replace the current attorney general. He will serve an eight-year term, I believe. And I'm a fan. I've never met him in person, but I've read a lot about him. I've heard a lot about him. And there are very few people in politics where I can genuinely say, I've never heard a bad thing about this person. And he's one of them. And so I'm excited for his legal philosophy to be influential in the state. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so he was on the Beacon Advisory Board for our legal center. So it's obviously a very pro, you know, Beacon hire in the way that he, I think he's going to view government and at least a similar way to how we view it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's probably not going to go overreaching with with government, you know, things. And I, I've met him. I actually got to sit down with him and Braden and, we, and when we went with the Ajit Pai in Memphis. Mm. And ju- just a very nice guy, you know, very friendly. And you never know what somebody's going to be like, but I, we have really high hopes for that. And I, it seems like a great choice. I know that Justin wrote a letter of re- recommendation on his behalf. So we're happy to have him. And I think we're excited for for what he can do here with the state of Tennessee. Yeah, that's a big deal when Justin writes a letter of recommendation on your behalf, because Justin, as he should, takes these things very seriously and takes who he refers for things very seriously too. And so when he says you're a good dude, I trust it. I will always trust it. <laughs> yes. If he does not believe in you, he is not writing a letter. He is Ew. very, I mean, for, for all of his quirks and stuff, he's very like, if he's on your side, he's on your side. And he'll do anything for you, but he would never lie or he would never act like he thought somebody was good. That isn't. So it's a big, it's honestly a big enough honor to get Justin to write your letter of recommendation and then being turned into the AG is, is a, is a great honor. And again, very excited for, for Beacon generally and what this means for, for the state of Tennessee. I know I was having lunch uh, the other day with one of my friends who's an attorney and he said, so what do you think about the news about Scrimetti being the new attorney general? And I said, I'm thrilled. What do you think? And he goes, oh, I am ecstatic. This guy is a member of the Federalist Society. He's an attorney. He knows. If I didn't know, this guy knows. And he said, I'm, I'm ecstatic, over the moon about it. Couldn't pick a better person to be the attorney general. And that, I mean, these are this is some high praise we're getting for, for our friends. So 
Very happy for him. If you're listening, Attorney General Scrimetti has he been sworn in yet? I don't know if I'm calling that yet. <laughs> I don't. I don't know either yet. <laughs> like, yeah, soon to be AG Scrimetti. Yeah. Current or soon to be? Congratulations. <laughs> we are very excited for you. This is a big deal. And if you want to come speak at our young professionals meetings, the invitation is always open. <laughs> There you go, doing a pitch too on this. It is funny too because we, we have no, I mean, like we can only judge like legal people like, oh, they seem really nice and they seem to be, you know, smart on this. But like we have no idea about law, or, like which obviously sets Justin apart because he's a lawyer too. But it's like, he seems good. So we're as excited as we can be with just the limited knowledge we have of legalese. So that's good. Yes. I mean, I, yeah, pretty happy. I, if, if, if I talk, if I hear somebody's name a lot and I never hear a bad thing about their character, I'm in. Character, character is what sells me. So I'm in. Mark, also, let's just stay in the in the legal and, and realm of law for our next little topic here. Let's take our minds back a couple years, a year or so, to the defund the police movement and how cities like San Francisco, Seattle, all the kind of coastal citadels, as the Wall Street Journal once called them, were on a tear to defund the police. And San Francisco cut like, I think it was like $120 million of funding from them. No, and, they didn't cut it. They reinvested it. Listen to oh, the quotes. They, re, yeah. they reinvested from, it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course from they the did. From the police to things they don't need. When you said that, that was like a bless your heart moment. Like, <laughs> bless your heart. You don't know. They reinvested it. Um, they, they reinvested the money elsewhere, and the police were none too pleased about that. I mean, and I get it. I don't think they were against it because they were they were selfish. They have 200 spots they need to fill and the city is rampant with crime so i don't even think it's oh we're worried about our money it's like oh we can't do our jobs it's impossible that's what i mean they reinvested money and it took cops away if my job just disappeared because they reinvested my salary and i don't know a swimming pool for mark's backyard i would be horribly upset but how do i sign up for that i'm I'm into that idea (laughs) okay okay. note to self do not give mark any ideas uh but now they've changed course just a year later and they're putting money back in the police budget because I, I read an article about it online and the union, the boss of the union of the police officers union said, what did she say? She said, help us fight crime or shut up. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. It, was, it was poetry. But I agree. I mean, these cities, if the cities want to be safe and they want to keep people coming there and they want to keep tax dollars and income coming in, they got to protect the city or ain't nobody going to want to live there. And I mean, San Francisco is the worst example of a city that is so crime ridden. You know, there's so much activity, crime and otherwise drugs from from the homeless population there. I mean, it's a place that people just don't want to go. And it's a place that it's not, oh, conservatives don't want to go there. Liberals don't want to go there or live there. And it's expensive. It's dirty. It's dangerous. And obviously, they made a choice, you know, recently to recall the attorney general by huge numbers because they weren't happy with it. They didn't feel like there's any order in the city. They felt like it was all, you know, whatever you get with any crimes people were robbing stores and there was just there was nothing being done about it this is a city that has is on the forefront of losing citizens not just citizens losing conventions losing you know stores who can't be there because they're, they're losing too much money losing everything uh as one of the you know one of the what used to be one of the premier cities in america has kind of gone to a place where like i have no interest in ever visiting 
I might fly in to go to Napa, but I don't want to visit San Francisco. I'm not a TikTok creator. I'm not really a TikTok girl, but I do follow, I have a sneaky TikTok account that doesn't have my name on it. And I follow a lot of accounts that are data type accounts. They These people talk about just data about the United States and history and stuff like that. And so there's one account that I follow that they do statistical data and they did a top five most crime ridden or maybe it's top eight most crime ridden areas, zip codes in America. Two of them were right outside of San Francisco. That is insane. I'm sure Oakland's probably one of them, which is right in San Francisco. It was was zip codes. So they were saying like this zip code is here, whatever. It was the top zip codes. But two of them were right outside. They were saying they were like Silicon Valley, kind of the offshoots of the Silicon Valley area. And it was truly shocking to see because I I guess I just didn't really think about it. I, I associate that area with so much wealth, so much prosperity, but... The fact of the matter is when there's no one holding you accountable to be good and to follow the law, why would you follow the law? And so when the police force is dwindling, people know they can get away with things. And when people are hurting like they are now in a time of inflation and potential recession, if we're calling it that yet, around the corner or happening right now, people are hurting and people need money and people need things. And without accountability to follow the law, they're just not going to follow the law. It's really sad that San Francisco took that step. I'm very encouraged that they're putting the money back and hopefully going to fill those spots. But that is, I mean, the writing's on the wall. That's that's all I can say is the writing's on the wall. Plus you have a DA who said he would not enforce these crimes. So it's not even like a police officer. It's a DA who said you can get away with stuff. I mean, what is the incentive there? The incentive is to commit crimes because you're not going to get caught. And um, I will give a little bit of credit to their mayor, London Breed, who kind of campaigned as this big progressive you know, very, very left of center. Um, and she has kind of changed over the time she's been there because I think she's seen what actually being in office is. And it's become much more, you know, law and order. She wants to add the police force. Um, she was actually one of the people who supported the recall of the district attorney and hired, and, and she got to hire the, the replacement. It was, it was somebody who was a lot more law and order. So uh, you give a little credit where it's due because some people, it's easy to have these ideas of, oh, this will be great. This will be good for stuff until you see it in action. But you give people credit say okay well look i tried this it did not work and that's even though in my in my head i thought it was gonna be great it didn't turn out that way so i mean you gotta give there's something about learning from mistakes and it looks like san francisco is trying to the problem is are they too far gone is this a city that you just can't that that can never be fixed i mean the homeless population is increasingly because you know they can be there because it incentivizes that right the drug use on the streets i mean it's insane scene. I, I saw a video of somebody showing outside of San Francisco school. It's just a bunch of people doing heroin on the streets as kids leave school. What kind of environment is that for them? It's something where they need to get it together and they have to do it now. They can't wait. And obviously, I don't think it's even close to where it needs to be, but it's at minimum a step in the right direction. Because guess what? There's also, this is a the place they want millionaires and billionaires to live. This is Silicon Valley. They have million dollar houses every neighborhood. And they're saying, we want to appeal to you. We want you to be happy here, but that's not going to happen. They're all going to leave the city to go to places where they feel more safe if you don't fix something. I fully agree with that. And this is one thing that if it trends toward Nashville, I will move. It's not worth it for me. I love Nashville. I love living here. My life and my safety and my the the well-being of myself and my property are more important than proximity to a city with a lot of fun things to do because if there are fun things to do but you can get stabbed while you're doing them, what's the point? It, it just I really hope that a lot of other cities learn from the lessons that we're seeing with 
this movement of defunding the police and just don't. <laughs> but I will say that we've been you know, pretty critical of Mayor Cooper and a lot of things he's done. This has never been part of his platform, though. It's like, yes, you have some very far left people on the city council, but even that, they're, they're so outnumbered, they couldn't really do anything with that. And like, it's more of the activist class that talks about that. But for all the things we've criticized, you know, Mayor Cooper, this is not one that he's ever been on the side of. I mean, I think he realizes how important safety is. And, you know, as a as a thriving city that has a lot of visitors, that's, of course, very important to have. So I do think that Nashville will never turn to that because of just the city's makeup. And e- again, even the people who are elected in Nashville are generally people who, yes, they're they're certainly left to center, but they're not super far left. You kind of have people in the more moderate Democratic camp, maybe even a little bit left, but not to the the extent of like defund the police. So I feel pretty safe for years that we're gonna be we're gonna be okay in Nashville anyway. Good. That's that's what I needed to hear. You know, sometimes I like make up these scenarios in my head and I start to get scared and they've never happened. And I just need someone to tell me that they're never going to happen. So that was that was nice. <laughs> Some of the scenarios you make up in your head when you're sleeping are kind of the weirdest. Like, like you'll text me like, oh, I had this weird dream where you're doing this and you you fired me because I brought goldfish to work or something weird. Not that specifically, but you always come with these weird scenarios in your head. I had a dream the other night that we were at this big conference that we're going to in September and I was giving a speech and I was doing it in like a hula skirt and a lay and like a big straw hat. And then the convention center was under attack and we all had to escape by boat. And that's what happens when you watch Game of Thrones too much. Okay. <laughs> Mark, NBA's NBA's making some making some moves on uh some some rule changes for game days. What's going on over there? Yes, yeah, so they did something interesting and I'm not I'm certainly not against it, but they decided that they're not going to have any NBA games played on election day. I guess that is kind of to remind people like, hey, this is your chance to vote, you know, like you should be voting today and they don't want people to be worried about NBA games. I don't think it's really all that relevant because like NBA games are like 7 p.m. when kind of polls are closing. But I guess it's kind of set as a reminder to do that, which, you know, I have no problem with. And personally, I love it for me personally, because instead of having to watch the jazz and go back and forth election results, I can just focus on election results this year. So I think it's a. I think it's something that's great for me. I don't know if it will have much of an actual impact on who votes. Probably not. But it's cool for me because I, I like to be able to focus on that. Although the Jazz are going to be so bad this year, I'm not sure I'll, I'll really care. But it, it's a step in the right direction. Again, as a private entity, they can do what they want. I think it's a, a, a you know, I think it's a step in maybe a step in the right direction to say like, hey, this is important. And maybe by not having any NBA games tonight, you'll remember that, you know, you should be voting. <laughs> I, I agree. I think it's great. Also, the Jazz was trending on Twitter today. Something about Donovan Mitchell, maybe. Are you are you upset? Is it too tender to talk about? No, no, no. I mean, he's just going to get traded to probably the New York Knicks. Okay. And he's like our best player. Oh, so, okay. but, but I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, we we hope to. I actually hope to get rid of him. That that's my goal. Sad. So. Why? Well, what he ever we do need to you? rebuild. We've already gotten rid of our number one best player, so it makes sense to get rid of our second best one too. Um, did you? This is. I'm going way off the rails here, but did you see the uh, lawsuit that the new live golf players tried to file against the PGA to force them to to let them play in their tournaments? And the judge said no, or the judge struck down the restraining order. Part of that. What are your thoughts on that? Because you and I have varying thoughts on live versus PGA. We definitely have varying thoughts. I thought that was a weird lawsuit to file, though. I, I didn't quite I get it. I didn't think it made sense to me. And it's like, and a lot of the people, I think the argument they use is, hey, this has stopped us from being able to play golf. We wanted to do all these things. And it's like, well, one of the reasons you gave is because you didn't want to play so much. That's why you gave for joining the, the live. Yes. So it was just a weird thing. I mean, I, I don't, 
I think that they're being petty and childish, uh, the PGA, and I, I believe that's absolutely the case. I think most people do. Um, but this was just kind of a dumb thing. I think it's this is the first time I think they've kind of taken a misstep where like the PGA Tour has been the one getting all the bad press for the last couple of months as these big people left. And they're the ones who seem childish and, and they are childish. But this is the first kind of like, oh, well, like this is a childish move, too. I understand you want to play that, but like you knew when you joined that that was going to be something that was not going to be able to happen. Now it's still not right, but it doesn't doesn't mean you file a lawsuit. It's a private, you know, it's a private place that can do what they want. I I thought it was. I mean, you're right. It is childish. I called it the crybaby lawsuit. I was like, all these crybaby players and their crybaby lawsuit, just weeping and wailing with you know seventy million dollars in their pocket. Get over it. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I, I did read them. Like, it's hard to find how they actually had any kind of like financial repercussions from this. If anything, they I got know. more money for for what they would have done. So, I mean, the the PGA Tour is still the worst. Uh, and, and again, this was not the LIV. This was just three random people. It wasn't like the organization violated who just, you know, I guess wanted to play in these tournaments. But they knew when they made a decision that that was obviously going to be one of the things that could happen is that they don't get to play in those. So you can't feel too bad for them. Don't feel bad at all. Not today, honey. Uh, <laughs> before we go, let's talk about childhood memories and not the traumatic ones. Uh, <laughs> last night, I threw my one of my best friends a birthday party at my house and we did a murder mystery party. I bought the kit from the internet. I put props all over the house. Everybody came dressed up. And at the end of the night, uh, she said it was the best birthday party she's ever had which made me feel really special that I could do that for my friend. But when I went to bed last night and I was just kind of looking at pictures and mulling over the day, I started thinking about some of my birthday parties as a child. And I didn't have a lot because I don't like when people sing happy birthday to me, they all look at me and I get really <laughs> nervous and anxious and I don't like that. But <laughs> I know Mark you don't, have to sing, you don't have to sing happy birthday. Like you can just do it without the, the song. I always beg them not to sing and everyone's like, oh, come on, you got to sing. And I hate it. But I was just thinking about some birthday parties and I want to know, Mark, did you have any especially enjoyable birthday parties as a child? Yeah, I remember one where it was like, I guess I was in like sixth or seventh grade and it was a big deal that uh, my mom took me and like nine of my friends to see Space Jam on, <gasps> on opening night. So we saw Space Jam so and, then cute. <laughs> and then afterwards we got, we went to a pizza party. Like we went to like, I think it was Pizza Hut. I don't actually remember. I think it was Pizza Hut though. So it's like, we saw this movie and we we're all there and it's like, it was just a cool experience. My mom got everybody. And, and then we went and got pizza afterwards. It was just a, and I remember like, I didn't really know much about Space Jam and obviously loved it because it was a great movie. Um, so it was just a cool, a really cool experience. And I'll, I won't forget that one. I've, I've had a lot of, you know, kind of cool fun birthdays in in college I had a, they did a cool cowboy themed birthday party for my roommate so every, everyone dressed up like basically the tourists dress up here um and it was but and that was, i didn't really like country music at that point but it was a fun it was like a fun time and I, I i enjoyed it so i've been lucky enough to have a lot of good parties what about you did you ever have any like that were thrown for you that you loved well my mom when i was 13 we did a big 13th birthday for my 16th birthday we didn't really do anything big we ate at a mexican restaurant but 13 was a big year for me and we had a celebrity dress-up party and so all of my friends came dressed as celebrities i was l woods one of my friends wore and i didn't even know these things existed well l woods is not a celebrity it's a character <laughs> yeah, but everyone had like different things. It was like a, it was just, I don't know. I wanted to be Elwood. So I was, I was a birthday girl. One of my friends had those, you know, those like big inflatable costumes that I tend to wear from time to time. One of my friends dressed up like Elvis in an inflatable costume. That was so great. And then my mom. To be clear, that is, that is a celebrity. Okay. That's not like a character. Elvis actually okay. was a celebrity. Well, <laughs> Elwood's counts because I was a birthday girl. 
And then my mom's best friend, I will never forget this. It was so, she wouldn't tell us what she was going to be. She kept keeping her costume a secret. And this was around the time that Martha Stewart went to prison. And so my mom's best friend comes into my party in a black and white striped prison outfit that she had sewed lace around the sleeves and the collar and ironed M. Stewart on the back of her, of her jail suit. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was just the greatest. It was so creative. It was so great. I'll always remember that. That was probably my favorite birthday. By the way, Martha Stewart is super cool talking about the jail thing. I've seen her. She's on a couple of the roast and like, and she does that show with Snoop. And it's like, she actually is very funny with how she describes that. Like, she just thinks she makes jokes about it. Like, I, I actually really like her. Albeit for her, like, except for her illegal activities, she's like my role model. She's funny. She's still sassy at 70. She knows how to decorate a house. She knows how to bake a cake. And she is so sassy and so funny and so witty. I like Martha Stewart. When my mom would watch her after she got out of jail, I'd be like, mom, why are you watching her? She's a criminal. Now I'm like, I get it. This this chick is the real deal. <laughs> and she's not a criminal. In no, like a, yeah, she did, like she, did some, she, she did something wrong. I guess it was insider trading, which I still don't quite know how that works. I don't either. I, it's I like, probably good I just that watched, we don't. Yeah, I actually just watched that episode of um, of The Office where Kevin, they, they have the guy that come, that's in jail and they bring him there and he's like, oh, I got called for insider trading. He's like, he explained to me like 10 times and I'm pretty sure that's what I, what I do every day <laughs> when he went to jail for her. It's so, so I, good. I, I don't invest. I don't know anything about it. But yeah, like it's not a, I mean, granted a crime, but it's not like a, a crime that necessarily hurt other people. No, I was 13. I had no idea what anything in the world meant. I thought I knew everything and I knew absolutely nothing. Well, at 13, if somebody went to jail for smoking weed, I thought they were like a terrible person too. Yes. So it's like, I feel, I feel like we, we adjust a little bit over time. We, we've we grown up. It's been about, it's been almost 20 years since we were we were in those positions. But yeah, opinions change. But that was probably my, my favorite birthday party that I've ever had. We had one party where me and my friends all sprayed our hair like pink and blue, like kind of punk rock ish, which was really fun. But celebrity dress up is definitely the vibe. You got any big plans for uh, your birthday this year? Going on a trip? Well, so I might. We're going to be in Charleston for. That's um, right. And my birthday is two days after. So we might just stay. I might be here. I might just stay for the weekend and just, yeah, I have like two days off I got to use before the end of the year. So it might be a good opportunity to do that. But we have a lot of work at that time. So it's going to be tough with the pork report coming out. So we'll see what happens. Mm, the pork report this year is going to be spicy. I already know it. <laughs> Usually is. Um, Mark, any final thoughts before we sign off for the day? Nope. All right. Well, you have been listening to Decaf by the Beacon Center of Tennessee. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's it for us. See you next week. Hey, hey.